Hey there, Angry Faithful. I just wanted to drop in, bend your ear a little bit, get your attention. So if you're not listening, drop what you're doing and pay attention to me. Because I'm here to inform you that not only can you get your daily, maybe if you're binging it, I'm not sure, that's entirely up to you, but you can multiply your doses of angry me fuckery by paying attention to all of the platforms upon which you can find either the dulcet tones of my voice and David's voice or my pretty face and David's not-so-pretty face. Anyways, digressing, we, not only on we are on YouTube, we are on Spotify, we're on Rumble, we're on Google, Apple Podcast. We have a TikTok page. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and of course, Facebook. So if you find yourself fuckery deprived, curl up with a nice hot mug of shut the fuck up and just listen. Open those ear holes and be prepared to be cream pied like it's the first time. Thanks for listening. Welcome, Angry Faithful. Today, uh, what we're going to go ahead and go over is the Tulsa riots uh, or Tulsa race massacre, uh, Black, uh, Black Wall Street massacre. Now, on this, there's a lot of, uh, I, I guess you wanted to say, colorful words, uh, but it was back that in that time frame. Uh, and it's mostly reason why I want to say that is because it is nothing in the opinion of Angry Me Production or anybody affiliated with Angry Me Production that emphasize this kind of racism. We hate it with a fucking passion. I'll tell you right now. Anybody that uh, goes against anybody because of their skin color or their background or whatever they have is an idiot. Now, uh, on that note, uh, there, another thing on this is the reason why Johnny is not in this is because I had to re-record this and, uh, Johnny is picking up his kids and doing fathery stuff. So it's one of those things, but Johnny's going to show up in the end, uh, uh, at the back end of it because we recorded it. Only part of it was able to be saved, uh, Sorry about that. It, uh, these things happen in the podcast world. Uh, and sometimes you forget to record the video, uh, video and sometimes you forget to record the uh, audio. So with no further ado, let's go over this. Uh, the Tulsa Race Massacre, also known as the Tulsa Race Riots and the Black Wall Street Massacre, uh, was a two-day-long massacre that took place between uh, May 31st and June 1st, 1921, when mobs of white residents, some of whom had been appointed as deputies and armed by city officials, attacked black residents, destroying homes and businesses in the Greenwood District in Tulsa, Oklahoma. The evident the event is considered one of the single most worst incidents of racial violence in American history, and has been described as one of the most deadliest terrorist attack 
uh, in history of the United States. Terrorist attacks from the people that actually did the uh, massacre. The attackers burned and destroyed more than 35 square blocks of neighborhood at the time one of the wealthiest black communities in the United States, why it was called Black Wall Street. More than 800 people were admitted to the hospital, and as many as 6,000 black residents of Tulsa were uh, inter, uh, entered into a large facility, many of them uh, for several days. The Oklahoma Bureau of uh, Viral Statistic officially recorded 36 deaths. But in 2001, Tulsa's uh, uh, Reparations Coalition ex, uh, estimated the event identified 39 dead, 26 blacks, and 13 whites. Based on the complimentary autopsy report, death certificates, and other records, the commission gave several estimated range, uh, ranging from 75 to 300 dead. The massacre began during the Memorial Day weekend after uh, 19-year-old Dick Rowland, a black shoe shiner, was accused of assaulting Shara Page, a white 17-year-old elevator operator in the nearby uh, Drexel building. He was arrested and rumored ha- uh, that he had been li- uh, that had he had been lynched, where uh, separate throughout the city, where the white uh, white where a white man named Rob Belton had been lynched the previous year. That's the reason why uh, Dick Rowland ran, because uh, a white man had been lynched the previous year. Upon hearing reports of the mob of hundreds of white men had gathered around the jail uh, where Rowland had been held, a group of 75 black men, some armed, arrived at the jail to peck Rowland. The sheriff uh, persuaded the group to leave the jail and asserting them that they uh, ensuring them that they had the situation under control. Now, these are the events that actually occurred. On May 30th, 1921, 19 year old uh, shoe shiner Dick Rowland, who has been employed for Main Street Shine Parlor, and uh, entered the only elevator in the nearby Drexel Billion in 30. 30- 319 South Main Street in order to use the top floor colored uh, colored restroom. Like I said, back then, uh, as we all know, that actually did a little bit of history. Back then, uh, there was a separation of the African-American community uh, using restrooms, water fountain, and even uh, restaurants, which... To this day, it's still baffling to me. Uh, sorry, I've lived in a different time. Yes, I understand that a lot of people say there's a lot of racism still. There is, but it's on all sides, what's really strange. And nobody wants to admit one side's doing it other than the other side, too. Are whites still doing it? Yes. Are the African-Americans doing it? Yes. Is Asians doing it? Yes. Is Mexicans doing it? Yes. It's... That type of behavior doesn't become me or anybody that I know, which I am happy for. Now on to the rest of the story. Uh, There he encountered Sarah Page, a 17-year-old white elevator operator who uh, was on duty at the time. Whether uh, and to what extent 
Dick Rowland and Sarah Page knew each other uh, has long been a matter of speculation. The two likely knew each other at least by sight because Rowland, who had regularly ridden in Page's elevator on his way to and from the restroom, a clerk at Renberg's, a clothing store in the first floor of the Drexel, heard what sounded like a woman screaming and saw a young black man rushing from the building. The clerk went to the elevator and found Paige in a distraught state, suspecting that she had been sexually assaulted. He uh, he summoned the authorities. Uh, apart from the clerk interrupt, uh, interruption that Roland had attempted to rape Paige, many uh, explanations have been given uh, for the instance, with the most widely accepted modern race consulting ex- uh, explanation being that Dick Roland had not as uh, assaulted page and surely must have been tripped uh, tripped and had uh when he got in the elevator he tried to catch himself and he grabbed her which alarmed her who then screamed from being startled that despite roland's account not mentioning that he had tripped others suggest that roland and page were had, had a lover's quarrel despite mixed race cousin being extremely rare at the time now, on the brief ex, uh, investigation, although the police questioned Paige, uh, no written accounts of her statement has been found, but apparently she told the police that Roland had grabbed her arm and nothing more and would not press charges. The police determined uh, that what happened between the two teenagers was less than an assault and conducted a locate a key investigation rather than launching a manhunt for her alleged assailant. Regardless of whether or not the assault had occurred, Roland had reason to be fearful as an African uh, American man accused of waving, uh, raping a white woman had often uh, prime targets for lynch moms. Realizing the gravitation of the situation, Roland fled to his mother's house in the Greenwood neighborhood. Now, during the rest of the neighborhood, uh, we're going to go over the rest, but first, uh, we're going to go over this article, what me and Johnny believe, and you'll get into this in the last part, uh, was the negligence of the newspaper, which there was only two newspapers. And back then, you got to understand the basic fact of if there's only like two people reporting in a ta- small town like that, and at the time, that was considered a small town. Or mediocre town, whatever you want to say. But back then, you only had two sources to go on. And even nowadays, when you have the abundance of information, which is really sad, we have like a plethora of information and resources of knowledge. And we still only go with clickbait and we only go with uh, the title, what's going on, and nobody reads the full article. Now, the only article to survive this, and by the way, this whole uh, incident had been so whitewashed that it wasn't until recent events, like uh, I think it was like we'll, we'll get to the I think in nineteen ninety seven uh, or nineteen ninety six in that time frame that we have any kind of knowledge other than the town itself that actually people that lived that that time frame could give any kind of information what happened during that time. 
that that's how bad it, the the atrocity of what happened at this time. And I say atrocity, I don't care. Uh, but here is the article read what started this going as a race riot. Uh, and like I said, there uh, for history. Uh, part of this is going to be very uh, people are going to probably come out on me I don't care but this is historical and anybody that comes at me please you know you can comment on it and everything like that but I am not a racist I'm reading verbatim and I'll post this uh, photo I'll put the photo into the video too so everybody can read it too uh, and the article reads nabbed negro uh for attacking girl in an elevator that title in the uh uh beginning of that is just shouting out that this person was a bad person which we don't even have any kind of knowledge of what happened in that this event but we do have the event itself uh and they even got him as a delivery boy so they didn't do any kind of uh reporting other than they wanted to make a statement and uh, sell newspapers. But it states a Negro uh, delivery boy who gave his name to the police as Damien Dick, but who has been identified as Dick Rowland, was arrested on South Greenwood Avenue this morning by officers Carm Carmichael and Pack, charged with the attempt of assaulting of 17 year old white elevator girl in the Drexel earlier yesterday. He will be tried in municipal court this afternoon on the state charges, which she even said that she dropped all the charges. So there shouldn't have been any charges in the begin with bad reporting. Uh, the girl said she noticed the Negro uh, a few minutes before the attempt assault looking up and down the Drexel building as if to see if there was anyone in sight, but thought nothing of it at the time. A few minutes later, he entered the elevator, she claimed, and attacked her, scra uh, scratching her hands and face and tearing her clothes off. Uh, her screens brought a clerk from Ringburn... Uh, Rim Burger store and her assault uh, assailant had fled. Uh, had fled. Wow, I messed that up. Uh, to her assistance, and the Negro fled. He was captured and identified this morning, both by the girl and the clerk. Police say Roland denied that he tried to harmed the girl but admitted he put his hands on her arm in the elevator when she was alone tenants of Dexel building said the girl is an uh, orphan who works as a elevator operator to pay her way through business college so that was part of the article that actually flared up this whole uh, situation, it was by the uh, Tulsa Tribune. And I got to say, looking at all the stuff that we have nowadays, it doesn't surprise me of how certain media groups just fictionalize everything. I mean, I even said 
we will go back to uh, the accounts. He might have tripped, uh, grabbed her arm. That happened. And she screamed, it startled. It happens. Uh, and he also suggests they were lovers, which uh, that could have been happening too, even though they said it was uh, extremely rare, that time frame. But it did happen. Uh, but... And uh, even even during the arrest, which we'll go uh, on this, uh, on the morning after the incident, Harry Carmichael, a white detective, and Henry Pack, a black patrolman, located Roland on Greenwood Avenue and detained him. So he wasn't re uh, arrested. He was detained. Pack was one of the two black officers in the city of 45 officers. Roland was initially taken to Tulsa City Jail at the corner of First Street and Main Street. Later that day, Police Commissioner J.M. Atkins said he had uh, received an anonymous phone call threatening Roland's life. He ordered Roland transferred to a more secure jail on the top floor of the Tulsa County uh, Courthouse. Roland was well known among attorneys and other legal professionals within the city, many of whom, uh, yeah, uh, knew him through. Uh, his works as a shoe shiner. Some witnesses later recount hearing several attorneys referring to Rowan in their conversation with one another. One of the men said, why, I know that boy. And yes, I'm going to use a southern accent on this one. Uh, why, I know that boy, and I know him a good while. That's not in him. Now, given the accounts of the uh, attorneys that actually said anything, uh, they should have said something to calm the fucking riots. All right. Now we're going to go off the standoff. The afternoon edition of the Tribune hit the streets shortly after 3 p.m. And soon news spread of potential lynching. By about 4 p.m., local authorities were on alert. White residents began conjugating at the near of the Tulsa City Courthouse. Tulsa County Courthouse, sorry. Uh, by sunset, 7 p.m., the several hundred white residents assembled outside the courthouse, apparently to have a, uh, makings of a lynch mob. Willard M. McCollin, the newly elected sheriff of uh, Tulsa County, was determined to avoid the event such as uh, the 1920 lynching of the white murder suspect uh, Roy Belton in Tulsa, which had occurred during the term of his predecessor. The sheriff took steps to ensure the safety of Roland. McCullen organized his deputies into a defensive formation around Roland, who was terrified. Of course, I would be terrified too. The Galter Daily Leader uh, reported that Roland had been taken into the uh, county jail before crowds started to gather. The sheriff positioned six of his men armed with rifles, shotguns, on the roof of the courthouse, he disabled the building's elevator and had his men barricade themselves on the top stairs with orders to shoot any, intru uh, any intruders on sight. The sheriff went outside to try to talk to the crowd into going home, but was to no avail. According to account Scott Ellsworth, the sheriff who hooted down uh, at about... 8.20 p.m., three white men entered the courthouse demanding that Roland be turned over uh, to them. 
Although vast outnumbered by the growing crowd on the street, Sheriff McCarn turned the men away. Good on you, Sheriff. A few blocks away, I, I got chills on that one. I'm, I'm not, I'm sometimes standing up to people in that kind of situation. Uh, I'm not saying he should get an award, but he was pretty, pretty stout and uh, standing up to those kind of people. A few, a few blocks away in Greenwood Avenue, members of the black community gathered to discuss the situation at the Girdley Hotel. Given the recent lynching of Belton, a white man accused of uh, murder, they believed that Roland was greatly at risk. Excuse me, folks. Many black residents were determined to prevent the cloud from uh, crowd from lynching Roland, but they uh, were divided about the tactics. Young World War One veteran prepared for battle by collecting guns and ammunition. Older, more prosperous men feared a dest- uh, destructive confrontation like uh, that likely would cost them dearly. Uh, O.W. Gurley started, uh, stated that he had tried to convince the men that would that would be there there would be no lynching, but the cloud responded uh, that Sheriff McCullen had personally told them their presence was required. About 9:30 p.m., a group of approximately 60 to uh, 50 to 60 black men, armed with rifles and shotguns, arrived at the jail to support the sheriff and his deputies in defending Roland from the mob. Collaborators by uh, by 10 witnesses, attorney James Luther uh, submitted to the grand jury that they were following the orders of Sheriff McCullen who publicly denied he gave any orders. I saw a, and this is what the uh, Sheriff McCullen said, I saw a car full of Negroes driving through the streets with guns. I saw Billy McCullen and told him those Negroes would cause trouble. And McCullen tried to talk to them, and they got out and stood in straight file. W.G. Daggs was killed nearby Boulder and 6th Street. I was under the impression that a man with authority could have stopped and disarmed them. I saw chief police. Uh, the, uh, I saw the chief police on Southside Courthouse on the uh, top steps talking. I did not see any officers except the chief. I walked into the courthouse and met McCollin. In about 15 feet of, the, of his doors, I told him those Negroes were going to make trouble, and he said he had told them to go home. He had, he went out and told the whites to go home, and one day, and one said, they said you told him to come up here. McCullen said, I did not, and the Negro said, you did tell us to come. Well, that's going back and forth, and by that time frame, if he collaborated with the uh, African American uh, African com- African American community. Sorry, tongue tied. He would have probably been lynched, or something horrible happened to him. Uh, that was the time frame. Uh, another thing, just to realize on this is uh, during this time frame, they had a lot of the Ku Klux Klan. So, 
We all know those racist fuckers. Having seen the armed black men, some more than a thousand whites who had been at the courthouse went uh, home to get their own guns. Others headed to the National Guard Armory to uh, corner at the corner of Sixth and Norfolk Avenue, where they planned to arm themselves. The armory contained a supply of small arms and ammunition. Major James Bell of the 180th Infantry Regiment learned of the uh, mounting situations downtown and the possible break-in, and he consequently took measures to prevent it. He called the commanders of the three National Guard units in Tulsa, who ordered all Guard members to put on their uniform and report quickly to the armory. When a group of whites uh, arrived, began pulling at the gatoring over the windows, Bell went outside to confront the crowd of 300 to 400 men. Bell told them that the guard members inside were armed and prepared to shoot anyone that tried to enter. After this show of force, the crowd withdrew from the armory. At the courthouse, the crowd swollen to nearly 2,000. Many of them now armed. Several local leaders, including Reverend Charles W. Keir, uh, pastor of the First Presbyterian Church, tried to dissuade uh, mob action. Chief of Police John A. Gafferson later claimed that he had tried to talk to the crowd into going home. Anxiety. Uh, Society uh, on Greenwood Avenue was rising. Many black residents uh, worried about the safety of Roland. Small groups of armed black men ventured towards the courthouse and automobiles, party of the uh, recurrence, to determine whether uh, pre uh, prepared to the necessary actions to protect Roland. Many white men interrupted these actions as a Negro uprising. Uh, and became concerned. Eyewitnesses reported gunshots uh, presumably fired into the air, increasing the frequency during the event. Frequency of the event. In Greenwood, rumors began to fly, and particularly a report that whites were storming the courthouse. Shortly after 10 p.m., a second larger group, approximately 75 armed black men, decided to go to the courthouse. They offered their support to the sheriff who declined their help. Oh, there was a com uh, conflicting report about the exact time and the nature of the incident or incidents that immediately uh, precipitated the massacre. According to 2001 commission, as the black men were leaving, a white man attempted to storm a tall white uh, African-American warm, warm, one vet. Wow, that was really hard to say. World War One veteran and a struggle in shoe, uh, insured and shot rang out. Then, according to the sheriff, all hell broke loose after that. At the end of the exchange of gunfire, 12 people were dead, 10 whites, and two black. Another uh, first hand account, uh, order origin, grenade. Stephen Hawking voice saved me. Originates. Originates from Ellis Taylor Butler, the daughter of the farmhead, uh, Peg Leg Taylor. That's interesting. Okay. Who was 19 years old and in Green, 
Greenwood on that day, according to Ellis' great-granddaughter, who had passed on the story to Elliso, uh, told her while the initial story was that it started at the courthouse, and in fact, it escalated to the courthouse, it started like uh, like down the street from the courthouse. The key incident incident report occurred when a group of around six whites approached and beat down a lone black man. Black store owner reported that uh, reported then came out of the nearby shop to help the, to defend the black man. And once they started defending him, they ended up uh, having to shoot. According to further notes, uh, the black store owner fought back the best they could, but the white mom started on the end of town where the black people started fighting. The white mob set those initial uh, initial shops on fire at the very beginning. The 2001 commission itself did not note that the African-American homes businesses along Archer were the first targets of the white mob. Uh, these could possibly be the same shops down the street from the courthouse where this, uh, inciting incident reported took place and it established an intimate, uh, motive for those particular shots being targeted first. Of course, it may simply be the case that there were targets first, uh, only out of convenience, Archer being the first street on Greenwood uh, side of the Frisco tracks. Moreover, while the Taylor account seemed admined that the incident occurred before the initial gunfire at the courthouse and then escalated to the courthouse, it is possible that the incident Taylor witnessed uh, was itself simply a product of rolling gunfire that uh, that is known to have been shared across the street of Tulsa, following the first Wally reporting exchange of gunfire. The gunshots triggered uh, at the most immediate response bo uh, with both uh, sides firing at each other. The first battle was said, the first battle was said to, uh, to last a few seconds or so, but took a toll as 10 whites and two black men lay dead di uh, or dying in the street. The black men who had offered to provide security retreated towards Greenwood. The rolling gunfire ensured the armed white mob pursued the black con conjugation towards Greenwood, with the main stopping to the uh, local stores for additional weapons and ammunition. Along the way, bystanders, many of whom have been uh, leaving the movie theater after a show, were caught off guard by the mob and fled. Panic set in as the white mob began firing on any black people in the crowd. The white mob also shot and killed at least one white man in the confusion. According to the Oklahoma uh, Historical Society, some of the mob were deputized by police and instructed to get a gun and get... Yeah, I'm not saying that. Uh... And, and yes, it is a racist. I'm, I am not saying that. 
Around uh, 11 p.m., members of the National Guard until bega- uh, began to ex- uh, assemble at the armory to organize a plan to subdue the rioters. Several groups were deployed downtown to set up guard at the courthouse, police station, and other pl- uh, public facilities. Members of the local chapter of the American Legion joined the patrol on the streets. The forces appeared to have been deployed to protect the white districts adjacent to Greenwood. The National Guard rounded up numerous black people and took them into the uh, convention hall on Brandy Street for uh, detention. At around midnight, a small crowd of white assembled outside the courthouse. Members of this crowd were uh, heard yelling explicit and calling for Roland to be lynched, but ultimately did not storm the courthouse. Now, on Wednesday, June 1st, throughout the uh, early morning hours, groups of armed whites and black squared off in a gunfight. The fighting had considered along sections of Frisco tracks, a division uh, dividing line between the black and white uh, commercial district. A rumor calculated that more than more black people were coming by train from Muskogee to help with the uh, invasion of Tulsa. At one point, passengers on an incoming train were forced to take cover on the floor of the train car as they had arrived at the midst of crossfire. With the train taking hits on both sides, small groups of whites made brief uh, forays by uh, by car into Greenwood, discriminately firing into businesses and residences. They often received return fire meanwhile white rioters through uh l- lighted oil rag Molotov cocktails into several buildings along Archard's uh street and uh igniting these businesses as the unrest uh spread to other parts of the city many middle class white families who employed black people in their home in their homes as living cooks and servants were Accosted by white, uh, white rioters, they demanded their families turn over their employees to uh, be taken into detention center around the city. Many white families complied, but those but those who refused were subjects to attacks and vandalizing in turn. Oh, fucking hell! Uh, sorry, folks. Now, uh, as the crowd, as the crews from the Tulsa Fire Department arrived to put out the fires, they were turned away at gunpoint. Scott Ellsworth uh, makes the same claim, but his reference may not uh, makes no mission of firefighters. Parishioners gave only praise to the National Guard. Sorry, Uh, other references Ellsworth gave. To support the uh, claim of holding firefighters at gunpoint is also a summary of events which they suppressed the firing of guns by the rioters and disarmed them with their firearms. I don't understand that. 
Uh, yet another of his references states that they were uh, fired upon by the white mob. It would, it, it would mean a fireman's life to turn a stream of water on one of those Negro buildings. They shot at us morning when we were trying to do something, but none of the, my men was hit. There is no chance in the world to getting through that mob into the Negro district. By 4 a.m., an estimated two dozen black-owned businesses have been blazed. Tulsa Cal, uh, co-founder and Ku Klux Klan member W. Tate Brady participating in the riots as a night watchman. This uh, land press reported that previously Bradley led a Tul uh, Tulsa outrage in uh, the no November 7, 1917, targeting uh, tarring and fettering a member of the Industrial Workers of the World, an incident understood to be economically and politically rather than racially motivated. Previous reports regarded Bradley's character seemed favorable and hired black employees to in his business and reported by his great-grandson. Uh, upon sunrise at uh, around 5 a.m., a train whistle sounded. Hershey said it was a siren. Some riders believed this sound to be a signal for the riders to launch an all-out assault on Greenwood. The white man stepped a white man stepped out from behind the Frisco de, uh, Depot and was uh, fatally shot by a sniper in Green Greenwood. Crowds of rioters uh, poured from their, uh, their shelter on foot and, and by car into the street of the neighborhood. Five white men in a car led charges but were killed by gunfire before they were traveled one block. Now, another thing that happened during this, uh, numerous eyewitnesses describe airplanes carrying white assailants uh, who fired rifles, dropped fire bombs onto buildings, homes, and uh, fleeing families. The private, uh, properly owned airfield had been dispatched uh, from the nearby uh, Curtis Southwest Field. Okay. Uh, outside Tulsa, law enforcement officials later said that the planes were to provide reconnaissance and protect any uh, again a uh, uprising. Law enforcement personnel, uh, though, to be aboard at least some of the flights. With eyewitness accounts, such as uh, testimonies from the survivors during the commission hearing, and a manuscript by eyewitnesses. Uh, and attorney Buck Colbert Franklin, discovered in uh, 2015, said that on the morning of June 1st, at least a dozen or more planes circled the neighborhood and dropped burning uh, turpentine balls on a on an office building, a hotel, a, f a filing station, and multiple other buildings. Men also fired uh, fire rifles at black residents, gunning them down in the street. Richard S. Warren concluded in a submission to the Oklahoma Commission that 
contrary to later reports by claiming eyewitnesses of seeing explosion, there was no re- reliable evidence to support such attack. Warner noted that while other uh, numerous number of newspapers targeted at black readers heavily reported the use of nitroglycerine turbotime and rifles from airplanes, many uh, cited anonymously uh, anonymous sources and secondhand accounts. Bill of Four, one of the pre-estimated historians of the disaster, concluded from his large collection of photographs that there was no evidence of any building damage by an explosion. Danny Globe commended Warner on his efforts and supported his conclusion. State of Representative Don Ross, born in Tulsa in 1941, however, disdained from the evidence presented in the report, concluded that bombs were in fact dropped from planes during the uh, violence. In 2015, a previously unknown uh, written eyewitness account of the events of May 31st, 1921, was discovered and subsequently obtained by a Smithsonian National Museum of African American History and Culture. A 10-page typewritten letter was authored by Buck Hubert Franklin, noted Oklahoma attorney and father of John Franklin Hope. Notable quotes include... uh, Looser, I'm going to have to get the freaking speaking spell. Lurid. Lured friends whirled and uh, bleached and licked uh, their forked tongues into the air, smoke assailants the sky and thick black volumes and amended all. The planes now a dozen or more in number still hammered and darted here and there with the agility of natural birds in the air. Planes circled in midair. They grew in numbers of. They grew in number, and humbered, darted and dipped low. I could hear something like hail falling upon the top of office buildings. Down East Archer, I saw the old Midway Hotel on fire, burning from its top. And then another, another, another building began to burn from the top. The sidewalks were literally covered with burnt turpentine balls. I knew all too well where they came from, and I knew all too well why every burning building's first caught fire from the top. I paused and waited for an opportune uh, time to escape. Where, oh, where is our splendid fire department with its half-dozen stations? I asked myself. Is the city in conspiracy with the mob? Sorry. Now, a General Charles Burnt of the Oklahoma National Guard arrived on um, by special train at about nine fifteen with one hundred and nine troops from Oklahoma City, ordering it uh, in by the governor. He could not legally act uh, until he had contacted all appropriate, appropriate law, local authorities, including Mayor T. D. Evans, the sheriff, and the police chief. Meanwhile, his troops paused to eat breakfast. Barrett 
summon reinforcements from several other uh, Oklahoma cities. Barrett declared martial law at 11.49 a.m., and by noon, the troops had managed to suppress most of the remaining violence. Those of the black residents had fled to uh, fled the city, and another 4,000 people had been rounded up and detained at various centers. Under martial law, the detained were required to carry identification cards. As many as 6,000 Gridwood residents were uh, interned at three local facilities, the Convention Hall, uh, Tulsa uh, County Fairgrounds, and then uh, McNally Park. A 1921 letter from an officer of the service company, 3rd Infantry, Oklahoma National Guard, who arrived on May 31st, uh, 1921, reported numerous events related to the suppress of the riots. Talking about 30 to 40 black residents in custody, putting a machine gun on a truck and taking it on patrol throughout, although it was not functional, functioning, and much less useful as an ordinary gun. Uh, Being fired on by black snipers from the church and returning fire, being fired on by white men during the uh, prisoners over, turning in prisoners over to the deputies to take them to police headquarters, being fired upon again by armed black residents having two NCOs slightly wounded, searching for black snipers and firearms, detaining an NCO to take uh, 170 black residents to uh, the civilian authorities and delivering an additional 150 black residents to the convention hall. Captain John W. McCone reported that stockpile ammunition within the uh, burning structure began to explode, which might have further contributed to the casualties. Martial law was withdrawn June 4th under fire uh, field order number seven. Now on this aftermath, the massacre was covered by national newspapers and the reported number of deaths uh, varied widely. On June 1st, 1921, the Tulsa Tribune reported that nine white people and 68 black people had died in the riots, but shortly after it changed, it changed the number from the total of 176 dead. The next day, the same paper reported to the court as nine white people and 21 black people. The Los Angeles Express Headlines said 175 people killed, many wounded. The New York Times said 75 people had been killed, including 68 black people, but later lowered it to 33. Uh, the Richmond Time Dispatch in Virginia reported that 85 people, including 25 white people, were killed. It also reported that the police chiefs had reported to the governor, Robertson, that the total was 75, and the police major put the figure at 175. Now, the property loss on this, the section of Greenwood was destroyed. Lost included 191 businesses, a junior high school, several churches, 
and the only hospital in the district, the Red Cross reported 1,256 houses had been burnt and another 215 were looted but not burnt. The Tulsa Real Estate Exchange estimated property loss amongst uh, to U.S. one one point five million in real estate, uh, real estate, and seventy five hundred thousand in personal property, an equivalent of thirty four million dollars in today's center in twenty twenty one. The Red Cross reported in December nineteen twenty one estimated of ten thousand people were made homeless by this destruction over the next year. Local citizens filed more than $1.8 million, $27 million in 2021 standards in the riot-related uh, claims against the city. Now, on this, we're going to get into uh, the tragedy of this, which was a tragedy. Uh, nowadays, uh, the Black Wall Street can still be found today under the historical Greenwood District in Tulsa, Oklahoma. After the Tulsa uh, race massacre of 1921, it took about 10 years to rebuild the district. The historical Vernon AME Church is the only building standing today, which was part of the last remaining structures of the 1921 massacre. The resident of Greenwood District tried to keep the memory of Tulsa race uh, massacre prominently within the community today many memorials stood out of respect for the uh, memory of what was once one uh, black wall street many investigators still underway in greenwich green greenwood district in the hope that there is unmarked graves can be found and more victims of the masking be identified now, me and Johnny are going to go over some opinions of our stuff. Since, uh, like I said, I had to go over the first part so everybody can learn uh, what we were talking about in the second part. And it, was it a tragedy? Yes, it was absolutely a tragedy. And it was a spawn on humans uh, in general. Uh, but as anyways, let's go for the rest of the episode. Thank you all for listening and enjoy the second half of this. And, uh, hopefully we can get away from this type of shit in the near future. Okay. All right. So that we'll just call that a bathroom break. Cause the soundboard yeah. apparently needed a bathroom break. Apparently. Um, but 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 the media definitely played it directly. That wasn't the sound. This. That was I don't know why, but I think it's I, I got to recheck my stuff and see how I fucking paid this shit. Uh, that might have been a little get... nugget that you needed to drop off air, but whatever. Um, we're all about transparency here, right? Yeah. Um, so I mean, there was a standoff at the courthouse. There was people taking up arms. Next thing you know, there was a violent outbreak. Um, they said that the first battle, quote unquote, uh, was said to have lasted a few seconds or so, but it took a toll. I mean, it, you and I both know that that is called the mad minute yeah. um, where you try to establish fire superiority. Um, ten whites and two black men lay dead or dying in the street. 
Uh, the black men who had fled or who had offered to provide security retreated towards Greenwood. A rolling gunfight ensued. The armed white mob pursued the black contingent towards Greenwood, with many stopping to loot local stores for additional weapons and ammunition. Along the way, bystanders, many of whom were leaving a movie theater after a show, were cut off guard by the mobs and fled. Uh, panic set in as the white mob began firing on any black people in the crowd. And the white mob also shot and killed at least one white man in the confusion. You know what that makes me think of right there? What? Django Unchained. I can't see out of these fucking things. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, oh god! Now I am not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna verbatim quote this, but uh, the white mob also shot and killed at least one white man in the confusion. Now, according to his Oklahoma Historical Society, some in the mob were deputized by police and instructed to get a gun and kill a N word. Yeah. I'm not saying it. Um, now, at 11, around 11 p.m., members of the National Guard unit began to assemble at the armory to organize a plan to subdue the rioters. Uh, several groups were deployed downtown to set up a uh, guard at the courthouse, police station, and other public facilities. Now, members of the local chapter of the American Legion joined in on patrols of the street. Uh, the forces appeared to have been deployed to protect the white districts adjacent to Greenwood. Now, the National Guard rounded up numerous black people and took them to the convention hall on Brady Street for detention. And around midnight, a small crowd of whites assembled outside the courthouse, and members of the crowd were heard yelling explicitives and calling for Roland to be lynched, but ultimately did not storm the courthouse. Um, so, I mean, this this went on for about a day, day and a half. But, I mean, they're talking about nearly 100, um, nearly 100,000 people in Greenwood were affected um, in, in, you know, in, in large part on the relief efforts. Uh, or the, and they relied effectively on the large part of the relief efforts from the Red Cross. Now, important for future survival of this district, they worked to create a large-scale plan in order to provide security, food, shelter, job training, and placement health coverage, and legal support for all of them, the survivors talking about. Now, the Red Cross was working in the aftermath of a tragedy, uh, the victims of which had all the characteristics of prisoners of war, homeless and helpless, abandoned by their home country, confined in specific areas, denied, ba denied basic human rights, treated without respect, and deprived of their possessions. In less than a year of being in Tulsa, the Red Cross had set up a hospital for Black patients, which was the first in Oklahoma's history performed mass vaccination for illnesses that could have been easily spread in the camps where survivors found themselves, and as well as built infrastructure for, to provide fresh water, adequate food, and sufficient housing for those uh, who no longer had a place or residence. Now, because of their work, the Red, Red Cross saved lives of those injured, as well as helped to keep thousands of Black Tulsans in the city who would have otherwise had to leave. Now, if you look, um, there's that screenshot from the uh, taken from the southeast corner of the roof of Booker T. High, uh, Washington High School. Yeah, it's a panoramic shot, man, and it looks like downtown Hiroshima after the bomb went off, man. Um, it looks more or less like the uh, the fire bombs from uh, World War II. Uh, uh, talking about Dresden, yeah. Now, I mean, now we're talking property losses. We went over those figures earlier. Um, but, you know, by June 6th of that year, the Associated Press uh, reported that c citizens of the Public Safety Committee had been established 
made up of 250 white men who vowed to protect the city and put down any more disturbance. A white man was shot and killed the day after he failed to stop as ordered by a National Guardsman. So I would say, you know, on the face value, when that when when I first started making that statement, I was like, all right. Well, because when I first read that, I was like, all right, these are all white people, so they're going to keep the black guys down. But no, then they go to immediately talk about how a white man was shot and killed after the National Guard told him to stop, and he didn't. Um, I mean, eventually... Um, you know, the governor had set up to the task of rebuilding the city. Uh, the attorney general uh, at the time initiated the investigation and witnesses were heard over 12 days. And in the end, the all white jury attributed the riot to the black mobs while nothing that law enforcement officials had failed or noting that law enforcement officials had failed uh, uh, in preventing the riot. Now, a total of 27 cases were brought before the court and the jury indicted more than 85 individuals. And in the end, no one was convicted of charges for the deaths, injuries, or property damage. And you got to wonder how much of that was, uh, you know, attributed to the, uh, to the fact that a majority of them were in the Klan. So how much of it was like, hey, Jim, I'm going to let this slide. I'm going to get you off of these charges. You're just going to owe me beer. Or you're going to owe me dinner for the next couple of Sundays kind of a thing. Um, you know, I mean, on June 3rd, a group of over a thousand businessmen and civil or civic leaders met resolving to form a committee to raise funds and aid in rebuilding Greenwood. Judge Jay Martin, a former mayor of Tulsa, was chosen as the chairman of the group. And he said at the mass meeting, Tulsa can only redeem herself from the countrywide shame and humiliation into which she's today plunged by complete restitution and rehabilitation of the destroyed black belt. The rest of the United States must know that the real citizenship of Tulsa weeps at this unspeakable crime and will make good the damage so far as it can be done to the last penny. I think that that was a step in the right direction. Um, do I think that race relations in this country have a long way to go still? Yeah. Do I think that previous administrations, I'm not going to mention any names, but his initials are Barack Obama, um, <clears throat> set race relations back in this country 50 years at least. Um, we got a long way to go, man. Uh, I mean, if we're expected to start progressing as a people, I, I think that a lot of the uh, closet bigots and a lot of the outward bigots in this country need to be, you know, brought to task. Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, there's always going to be a form of bigotry <laughs> everywhere. I we will never completely and totally eliminate that. It's just human nature. Um, but you know, I mean, it's like my my wife brought up a really great story uh yesterday um our youngest son he uh when he was a few years younger uh they were living at a at another house and uh the neighbor across the the, the street was a, a mexican family hispanic family um their youngest son would come over and play they would play together and that they neither one of them spoke the other's language you know our son speaks a hundred percent english zero Spanish and vice versa for, you know, the other family's young boy. 
but they just played and played for hours, you know, and it, and I think ultimately that's what it should be. But unfortunately we let generational racism and what amounts to is systematic and systemic uh, racism uh, creep into our lexicon and it becomes part of a, of a bigger problem. And it's, you know, we can't let people get away with the whole, oh, well, they were just, they're just old. They're from that time. It, it really, that's just not an excuse. I mean, my, my grandfather was the same way, but he embraced towards the end of his life. I mean, he embraced a lot of things that he was devoutly against early on. Yeah. Even so my dad, it, even my dad nowadays, only because of the basic fact of he, he lived in Petrolia and that, that town was fucking racist he's like it, it took me going into the military and just realizing how much of an uh idiot i was yeah i mean I, i'll admit that when i was in high school man i was i was an idiot i mean absolutely i was an absolute idiot you know i was one of these dudes that ran around with you know jocks and rednecks i remember i mean i i would kind of run around sort of with a lot of the different groups um and Aaron Judge just hit his 61st home run of the year and tied Roger Maris's home run record. So congratulations to Aaron Judge. Oh god. I need to go to church because I just praised a Yankee. Um <laughs> but it took me joining the army. And even in the army, uh basic training, man, it my battle buddy in basic training was black and he had no time. Bless you. He had no time for a white boy at all. Uh, there was another guy who was Samoan in our platoon. No time for white boys. And he he saw me as an easy target. And he jumped on me one night and I put my foot right in the middle of his chest and threw him on the floor. And after that, we were good. You That's know, usually a case but each other's ass. Yeah. But I mean, you know, it, and, and to this day, one of my, best friends and you know brother from another mother kind of thing uh you know my my, my boy mikey uh mikey lopez he uh i mean he's dude i'd 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 lay down in front of a train for that guy you know um i you know it's to the point me we, yeah we still see skin color but you know we don't see it like we did through the prism that we did when we were younger and just didn't know any better um I mean, I, I, and then, and even now, you know, to an extent, the people that I served with that, that aren't white, you know, I don't see them for being black. I don't see them for being Hispanic or, you know, uh, Filipino or Laotian or Vietnamese. I don't, I don't see that. I, I, I see them as a brother and, you know, we, we all bleed the same color, you know, so, but it, uh, you know, I mean, things like this, you know, it's unfortunate that they happened, you know, but the fact that for the longest time, it was largely in part forgotten about in state, county, or county, state, and in even national history. Um, and the fact that they took the steps in Oklahoma to make this a part of the learning curriculum 
uh, goes a long, a long way um, towards making sure that we, uh, you know, that we don't forget the darker parts of our history. Uh, you know, because and I've I've said it on many of our episodes, and I've said it in many of conversations that you know Winston Churchill said that those who do not learn from history are what doomed to repeat it. So, you know, it, it, it's it's one of the it's 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 like the uh, the left's movement to take down and erase all traces of Confederate history in our country, taking out statues of of, of General Lee or uh, Ulysses Ulysses S. Grant, you know taking the statues down and taking their name off of high schools or whatever, not going to make things unhappen. That stuff happened. It was a vital part of our, of our country's history. Um, you know, it's as, as, as much crap as we give the Germans, um, you know, for being back-to-back world war losers, you know, things of that nature. The one thing that I will applaud the German government for is the fact that, the darkest part of their history being the Holocaust um, is still taught, remembered and memorialized in their country to this day. Um, Dachau, Auschwitz, um, you know, those, those concentration camps um, still exist, but I mean, not in the capacity that they did in the forties, obviously, but um or rather the thirties and the forties, if we're going to get people to try to come down on us and be all fact checker, but they're, they're there set up as a museum, a memorial. So that way people don't forget. And, you know, uh, what is, I think it's Auschwitz that they've got a, uh, a display of just piles of murdered Jewish citizens shoes. Yeah. Just to kind of give you the, just to give you an idea as to, what happened there uh to to give you kind of a a tangible visual representation so to speak of just how far reaching the final solution was trying to go and had had germany succeeded in their goals and actually ended up repelling the you know um allied invasion on june 6th of 1944, they married, they very may well have, you know, eradicated Judaism and, you know, there's no telling what kind of a world we'd be living in today, but it's, it, it, you know, I mean, it's, it's things like this that need to be taught. They need to be remembered. And you know, and I'm I'm glad that we have sources like Wikipedia. I'm glad that we have sources like the Oklahoma School School Curriculum, uh, to where we can cite instances like this from our history. We can we're not we're not learning about these organizations like the Ku Klux Klan or the white you know the various white supremacist movements in our country's history to glorify them, but it's to remember that they existed and learn from their mistakes. So that way we don't repeat them and we don't have instances like this again. Um, you know, and what's odd is yesterday I, I, I watched my first Tyler Perry movie from beginning to end. Like, it's not that I dislike Tyler Perry at all. Uh, he's a very good filmmaker, a very funny guy. Just never watched any of the Medea films or anything like that. But yesterday I watched a brand new one. It's on Netflix. It's uh, the Jazzman Blues. 
very very good movie very very good very good movie um and you know it 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 dealt with the lynch mobs of the 20s and 30s so you know it's uh you know it's 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 worth a watch but i'll check it out but you know getting back to you know the the race uh race riots i almost did it again um of in tulsa yeah if you when you go to tulsa there's still sections of that city that are predominantly black. And if you are not white, you don't go there. Mm. Um, there's still sections of the city, unfortunately, that if you are black and you don't go into certain white neighborhoods and it's, it's disconcerting, man. It really is. And I, I think that there's, you know, I mean, even to a very large extent, the fact that we have Indian reservations at all, it the fact that we herded these people to reservations to conduct themselves i think is deplorable to begin with um but you know I, i'm that's above my pay grade to try to figure out a solution if any to that but you know, this, this is something that people need to know about. And, you know, I'm glad that we, we used this episode to bring this to people's attention, but you know, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely a dark chapter, but you know, it's one that I'm going to look into some more because yeah, while it's hard to look at and it's hard to digest, it, it it's, it's almost one of those things where it's necessity. It really is, and it's one of those things that once you realize, I mean, they even had, like, airplanes attacking people. They had had airplanes attacking people, uh, and they had dropping nitroglycerin, turpentine, uh, rifle full of planes, uh, many uh, cited anonymous sources and secondhand accounts. I mean... Who who it was it was basically attacking our own countrymen mm-hmm. in a war environment. It, it's base it's basically to the point to where we don't understand. I I I understand this happened, and I'm still you know wrapping my brains around it because we live in a different time to where, I mean, this stuff kind of still happens, but it's. It's more or less uh, when it's put on social media and everything like that. I'm not. I'm not saying it's, uh, a white chick accusing black uh, black uh, man of attacking her or anything like that. I'm talking like the uh, uh, people that go out and say they've been raped by somebody when they hadn't been raped. Yeah. Uh... It, it, uh, it's one of those things. Yes, it has to. It has to go in and be reported and find it out. But it's, uh, I mean, fucking the be- the best way I can describe it is, uh, no way home. It's 
Spider-Man No Home. home. When Matt Murdock says you, you you won the court case, but you still have the uh, court of uh, public uh, opinion. Pu- public opinion. And that's the thing, too, man. It's like um, when you're falsely accused of something and your life is just drugged through the mud, your name, your face, and your allegations are plastered all over this 24-hour news cycle that we have now. Yeah. And you go and, you know, whether the charges are dropped or you take it to trial and then you are found not guilty. That's exactly right. You may win the criminal case. You may win the, the, the legal side of it. But the court of public opinion is vastly way more powerful than it needs to be. Um, Especially nowadays when everybody can actually go up and say whatever they fucking wanted to say yeah i mean that's the thing their opinion yeah and that's the thing people these days have forgotten what what happened yeah and people people have forgotten what it means yeah people have forgotten what it means to get punched in the mouth for something that you've said exactly you know and, and i'm not talking about or espousing physical violence by no stretch of the imagination what i'm talking about is there needs to be repercussions um, you know, yeah, we've got the avenue of civil suits and things like that for defamation, but all you're doing is just spending yourself into a larger hole. Exactly. Because odds are the person who made that allegation did it specifically to ruin you because they were bored. Or, you know, they, oh, there's some people like that. They, well, uh, fucking who? Oh, trust me. I know. Yeah. Uh, you know. No, me and I think me and Mitch were talking about that, about the whole fact that there's a lot of people out there and their whole uh, the way they get their uh, income and everything is talking hateful. No matter what, yeah. they're they're talking hateful and that's how they get uh, ad revenue because they're getting people. I mean, Alex Jones does it. Uh, Anthony Tate is the newest one. That's canceled everywhere because of uh, the stuff that he ends up saying. And a lot of it is hateful. And I hadn't looked at Anthony uh, Tate stuff, so I can't really judge on his. But Alex Jones' whole thing is the whole uh, is basically creating cr- conspiracy theories. Now, mind you, there's a small amount of stuff that he says that's actually true. Like the whole, I mean, it sounds crazy in it, like the Pizzagate thing, but it ended up there was actually a guy that was doing that shit with fucking political parties, both England and the United States. Mm-hmm. And it gets to the point to where, what are we supposed to believe? Are we supposed to believe the small shred of information that, that we're given and just go off on it? Or are we actually supposed to do the most responsible thing is do research and find out? Mm-hmm. I mean, look at the whole two years that we fucking spent and we just found out just recently. Oh, we've been lied to. Huh? Weird. Yeah. Weird. All this, all the stuff that, you, yeah, yeah. We, we're sorry for ruining the economy, uh, destroying everything we could possibly destroy. Because 
we were scared. Yeah. People people go out with emotions, not logic nowadays. Yeah. I mean, in, in, a, in a world that's short on common sense that God gave a block of wet concrete, that's exactly, I mean, that is probably one of the more accurate statements that has ever been uttered. Well, I um, keep on using the, the phrase off of uh, uh, Wizard's First Rule. It's a Terry Goodkin book. Pick it up. Read it. it. It's actually pretty decent. There's certain books in uh in the stuff and and then and the uh I mean that's like a twelve book series, but the the first book was it first rule? Uh, what that actually states is, uh, people are generally just stupid, and then and then mm-hmm. this is this is reality. People are generally just stupid, but people will believe a lie if they fear the truth, or believe a lie if fear it might be true, and, and I constantly say that, and people are like. Why do you think like that? Because it's fucking true. You, yeah. You, how do you how do you get a cult? You get like a couple of people to uh, believe in you. Of all the, I mean, doomsday cults are fucking every part in history. Mm-hmm. And it gets to the point where all you have to do is have at least two people agree with you, and those people will vouch for you and go off and say, "Hey." Yeah, he's kind of right. And the next couple of people, ver- and so far you got like 20 people verifying that you know what you're talking about. And then yeah. it just goes on and on and on. So. Yeah, it's. It, it, it's one of those things that gets to the point to where people will start believing uh on their fears like oh these people we 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 did horrible and they're gaining power we got to knock them down yeah and yeah it, it's, it, 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 it's not you know sometimes it's not even it's part of that cancel culture again you know it all goes back to where you know yeah. and, and to me the cancel culture it i'm just glad the woke shit's going down well, you know, and even then, man, it's a slippery slope because the people that are trying to get rid of the woke culture are, are in fact, canceling it. Um, Dark, and I know, know you're like, now, now I know, I know where you're going. You're, you're like, okay, where's he going with this? But let me, let me, let me finish this. No, 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 it's not that. What's funny about that is the people that are actually trying to get rid of it the hardest are comedians. Because no, you're, taking, you're taking their livelihood. Of making a joke. Yeah. You know, here's the thing. You know, I remember when we had guys like Andrew Dice Clay. Now, do I particularly think that the guy is funny? No. Actually, nowadays, no, not so much. Oh, no, not so much. I mean, the dude's kind of He's out. talking about his divorces and everything. But, yeah, like, I, I mean, and, and even at the height, even at the height of his early, you know, late 80s and early 90s stand-up routines, very misogynistic. Um, yeah, very. You know, very. And, I mean, I was probably 15, 14 or 15 at the time when I first saw The Adventures of Ford Fairlane. God, I love that movie. You know, I'm like, the biggest takeaway for me was he was like, what, you didn't think we were going to kill the fucking panda, did you? You know, and I'm like, I'm like, okay, the panda's not dead. All right, great. You know, or when he's falling off the Capitol Records building and he's going, my hair, my hair. You yeah. Know? 
you know, and I'm just like, all right, but I mean, it's just all it basically was just a, a screenplay adaptation of a collection of his stand-up routines, but he in itself, I mean, that type of comedy today would not be allowed at all, period. Um, I mean, you look at Dave Chappelle, Dave Chappelle is probably a, I mean, he, he is, it's not, there's no debate about it. He is a generational comedic talent and. Or even Bill Burr. Yeah. Or even Bill Burr. Oh, I love Bill Burr. God, I love Bill Burr. Love that guy. Have you seen F is for a family on Netflix? Oh yeah. I've seen that. Have you seen the latest episode, uh, his latest uh, special? I've seen part of it, but I haven't watched all of it yet. But hilarious. Um, I mean, he goes know, after everybody. Everybody. So does yeah, Dave Chappelle. Yeah. Dave Chappelle goes after everybody. Everybody. You know, in that last uh, stand-up uh, special that Dave Chappelle had on Netflix, where that he went after. Cry. Dude, yeah, it was sad. You know, um, where he talked about one of his best friends in the world who was trans killed themselves and you know the alphabet you know group the credit, uh, me and me and uh matt were talking about that i was like man that that special actually made me cry and you know those critics that were bashing it never watched the full out because no they never did they no never watched one. it they, no they all they, you know, they, they as soon as he it, made they got, the, they got one point and they're like oh no can't watch this i'm too woke yeah. for this shit yeah and Dude, I was like wokeism, socialism. I mean, not socialism, wokeism and, and liberalism to a very large degree, I think should be absolutely classified as a mental disorder because it, it, nothing about it makes sense. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, we, we can't have the FBI and the police holding shotguns in a scene of ET because it espouses gun violence. How about? You sit back and you have yourself a nice, tall, cold, frosty mug of shut the fuck up. They're not they're not pointing the shotguns at the kids. They're not they're not pulling the trigger trying to shoot E.T. and Elliot down. I mean, they're law enforcement officials. And so what do they do when they re-released E.T.? They photoshopped the shotguns out. And gave every one of those federal agents a walkie-talkie, and it was the campiest. That. It was the campiest thing. I mean, and they even they even did a, a, a like a, 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 a they they went in and did like the voiceover for all the Halloween scene when everybody's coming downstairs and the mom she looks at uh, Elliot's brother and she's like, "Oh, you look like a little terrorist." No. The, the line was you look like a terrorist they dubbed that out and to make it sound like he said she said oh you look like a hobo because why oh we can't offend people i'm sorry i thought we were in america where we didn't care about people's feelings which is why we've won two back-to-back world wars which is why we've won every major battle of the engagements that we've ever been involved with only to effectively lose those wars because why the political proletariat in this country decides to get all up in their feelings and in the latest round decides to give our enemy combatants what constitutional rights on the battlefield. I'm sorry. 
when you tie the hands of the military behind their backs and send them into harm's way, what do you expect is going to happen? You're going to exponentially exacerbate and inflate the number of American men and women coming home in flag drape coffins. Let the military do their job. I mean, seriously, let, let them do their job. To be completely and perfectly honest with you, do I think that we needed to go to Iraq in the first place? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But, we kind of but, did. But... We, yeah, we kind of did. I mean, it, you... I mean, we we gave Saddam Hussein enough, and we gave him enough of an advance warning to get all of those weapons of mass destruction out of the country. Because where did they end up turning up at? Syria, right? Yeah, they all went through that northern corridor through the through 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 the mountains and into Syria, into Jordan. Okay, they know this, but the the the, the talking point that they espouse and the, the talking point that the historians teach is that there were no WMDs in there, right? Should we have pulled out the way that we did in Afghanistan? Absolutely not. I mean... I mean, right now we're going after Syria. I mean, we've got we've got Americans volunteering to fight the Russians in Ukraine, and we're winning. Yeah. You know, but... So, I mean, it's amazing what a determined individual can do in small numbers, right? Never underestimate the power of a crowd, and that has held nothing more than especially true when you're talking about the United States Congress and House of Representatives, and in most, in in a, in a lot of cases, the Commander in Chief. Um, say what you want about the Bushes, and, and say what you want about Trump, but when we went to war under both Bush administrations. And continued on through the Trump administration. I have no doubt that those individual that those that those men stayed awake at night, knowing that there were men and women in harm's way, trying to effectively stop another nine eleven from happening. Um, now, can I say the same for the Obama administration? No, I can't. Can I can I can definitely say that that's not the case with the Biden administration. The last dignified transfer that he attended, he was too busy looking at his watch because apparently he had a hot date to go sniff another kid. My you know. God. So you know, I'm just I'm I'm I'm. I don't know, man. It we we've got a long way to go in this country, um, even just to get back to center. You know. Uh, do I think that we'll see it? Maybe. We'll uh, probably see it in our, our we life. Were, we were heading that way. We were heading that way, at least economically, under Reagan. We were headed that way economically under Trump. Actually, um, we actually made it during even like uh, the first Bush administration. We actually – Yeah. And then, yeah, and then a lot of stupid things happened. I mean – then the Clinton years, man. I, you know, but that was when it was, and that's that's when the Democrat Party really started to espouse the uh, beginnings of the woke movement. And another thing that people don't realize, and, and everybody's wanting this whole uh, global unity type shit. And I'm not calling 
calling it shit that I we should know. This is how you actually show global unity, okay? Mm -hmm. You become the powerhouse. You show everybody, hey, we're living better lives. We have better uh, – everybody in, in our lives uh, make a decent wages. Mm -hmm. Our economy, every the, ga the gasoline is really low, uh, all this stuff. Why don't you try to be like us? We'll 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 show you how to do what we're doing, and hopefully you can follow suit. Yeah, but no, no, we don't we don't want that. We just want to be like shitty, like everybody else. <laughs> right, exactly. But uh, I don't know, man. I, I think that that's probably a good spot to 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 land this plane. But uh, yeah, uh, you know, it, I mean, this you know actually this this was probably the most involved conversation that we've had on this particular show. Yeah. Um, it's because we both we hate fucking time. racism. Oh yeah, dude. And yes, oh my it, God. It, it is the most, I, I, I still don't get it. I don't get how you can just end up like calling a person, uh, any kind of racial ethnicity. Uh, slang words or anything like that. I just don't get get it. You know. Yeah. I mean, now, if I call now, if I call I call like a lot of people like cunts because they're being cuntish. Oh yeah, yeah. Hit them with a hard T to quote Jake Nunn or Jake Barr. But you know, I mean, like hit them with a hard T. You know, yeah, and I do. Cunt. There are a few individuals in my life that that get that title. They really do, and they get hit with the hardest to tease. But at the end of the day, you know, they're still a human being. Just because I don't like them doesn't mean that I don't want them to eat. I just don't want them to do it at my table. And it's also the basic fact of uh, just – it's just too much energy. I don't see how people do that. Dude, it, there, yeah, exactly. There are way more constructive endeavor, endeavors in this world to expend your energy upon. And being full of hatred and vitriol are just not on my list, man. I mean, we joke and, and, and all the time about, you know, but coffee first. And I can't touch a weapon until I've had coffee in the morning or, oh, yeah. you know, don't talk to me until I've had at least two cups, you know, that kind of a thing. Um, but at the end of the day, man, it, there's been a few days where I've gone without a cup of coffee in the morning because when I wake up in the morning, my feet haven't even hit the floor yet. And there is somebody who needs an, an ear. There's somebody who needs a shoulder. There's somebody that needs you to be physically there for them. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, and this is something that stuck with me and, I, and I'm paraphrasing here, but I, I've, I've heard it. I can't remember who said it, but somebody, I heard it was said that it's not the dates. It's not the birth date and the death date on your headstone that count that counts. It's that dash in the middle. How do you, how do, how did you live your life? during the in-between years. And when I eventually get called home to stand before my creator to be judged, I know that I'm not faultless. 
but I want, um, you know, I want an overwhelming majority of my life to be a representative, you know, to be representative of the, the good works and the good deeds that, you know, that we're called to do. And, you know, in, and that, and even like, okay, so specifically as it relates to like veteran outreach, things of that nature, um, you know, and it goes beyond veterans, man. It doesn't matter if you're a vet, if you're a law enforcement, if you're a first responder, it doesn't matter. If you're having a hard day, you know, reach out. You know, it's one of those situations because it's, again, it's how we live our life in between the dates. Even, 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 you know, getting the other person to reach out kind of difficult. I mean, just recently I had to talk to a friend of mine. His, his dad is uh, about to pass away uh, through mm-hmm. cancer and everything like that. And I told him, I was like, hey, listen, you know, you can come talk to us. And he's like, I just, yeah. I just got to stay. And his, his, his excuse was, man, man, I do not want you to see me. And because you can see right through my bullshit and you're going to call me on it. And I'm just going to start crying. I was like, dude, you're going to need to fucking cry. Yeah, exactly. I mean, dude, he's, he's trying to, sometimes he's trying to be tough for his sister and I understand that, but you know, yeah, but here, here's what you need to remind this individual of dude is the fact that it sometimes the hardest and bravest things that we can do is to let down our guard. Yeah. The, the straw, I mean, the, 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 the most resoundingly what's the word I'm looking for resoundingly significant way that we can demonstrate our strength is to show our weakness. Yeah. And, you know, there's days where I just feel like holding in, everybody's going to go through that. But, you know, we have people in our lives. I don't care how detached you are. There's always going to be somebody that's willing to pick up that phone at 3 a.m. Yeah. And, you know, I, I know that we've kind of transitioned, t- t- you know, subject matter, but, you know, yeah, it, it all goes. Like a, this kind of a good talk in a while. Yeah, I mean, but it, it all kind of comes back around, you know, and it's like it doesn't matter what you're going through. If you if you're feeling alone, if you're feeling suicidal, if you're feeling depressed, if you're feeling discriminated against, you know, yeah, I mean we could go a couple different ways about it. We can get loud and we can get belligerent about it, and we can try to create a, a hashtag movement. Or we could try to keep it in as, as in-house as possible and let our peers help us through that time. Yeah. And that's the biggest takeaway from anything and everything is to, if we're, if we're going to succeed as a society, we need to get back to that. We need to get back to the front porch and back porch, you know, get togethers. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, I was, actually, I, 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 I can't really count the number of that. times I was actually yeah, thinking I, about that recently. Yeah. I've lost count of the number of times where I've just kind of marveled at gatherings, <laughs> uh, even if, with family, 
we're in the same room and nobody's saying anything to anybody because we're on our screens. Yeah. You could be sitting right next to somebody, but you were a thousand miles apart. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I just, I marvel at that. And I'm like, how does that happen? I mean, how do we legitimately allow that to happen? I don't get it. I really don't get it. You know, I hate to uh, be a stickler on this, but everybody, everybody going like, oh, it's, it was the phones that did this. This is, no, it's just the newest annotation. We used to like, uh, everybody watching TV and not paying any change to it. We used to like, it was books at one point in time. It, uh, it was news, it, you know, newspapers or, you know, whatever. Something was getting our interest away from each other. Right. At times, at times, it's a necessity. At, at times, yeah, because everybody yeah. needs an outlet, right? Yes. But, like, you, can't, you know. You can't, like, 20, I mean, even Mitch was talking about this. He was like, man, that was probably the best thing because, actually, the, the woman I'm with right now, the woman I'm calling my wife we found each other during the pandemic and the problem with a lot of people during the pandemic, they had like the eight hours mm-hmm. where they were away, wait, they had like eight hours away from each other. Now they have to spend like 24 again. And that's where a lot of the marriages like broke off because they, they couldn't go out. They couldn't do stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I hear over the last few days, um have started really emphasizing the need to get outside mm-hmm. um and with my my oldest stepson um he's rediscovered playing catch as an enjoyable activity you know we started we started playing catch yesterday because i was i was like you know what we're gonna get all the boys outside I'm going to teach him how to throw a baseball. I'm going to try to teach him how to catch, you know, that kind of a thing. I set up the net, gave him a target to throw at, you know, the whole nine yards. Yeah. And him and I probably played catch for about 35, 45 minutes yesterday. And as he was going inside, he sticks his head back in from the back, you know, from the back door. And he's like, hey, are we going to do this every day? And I was like, if you want. He goes, yeah, I'd like that. And, you know, we got out out there again today and we played catch. It's just we're not talking crap to each other. We're not trying to make each other laugh. We're just throwing the ball back and forth, man. And, you know, it's outside, but we're connecting, you know, we're, we're focused on each other and, you know, it's, it's building to borrow a term from inside out. We're forming a core memory. Yeah. And you can't do that through a screen. I mean, you probably could. And I say that because my wife and I met on TikTok, but, you know, it's, you know, we've, we've worked hard at our relationship. We talk, we have conversations and, you know, I'm like, okay, you know, Aaron Judge is up to bat in the top of the eighth to try to hit home run number 62. Now that he's already tied Roger Maris, he's trying to hit another home run to set the record. So I'm, I'm kind of going in between 
you and yeah. watching this. If anything, we can we can cut it out. We we went past the forty minutes, and I don't know why it cut us off in the first part. Uh, I looked at it. I, I'm I'm paid up, so but we yeah. can call it, we can call it. That's okay. He ground out anyway. So okay. Um, <laughs> we're good. We're good. Well, we're good. History can wait another day. Yeah. But uh, you know, hey, I I you know I appreciate our listeners. Um, again, if you're listening or, 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 or one of our listeners, if you're part of our angry faithful, that's based out of Florida, uh, Georgia, uh, South Carolina, those areas uh, that are directly in the path of this storm, we hope and we pray that you are being safe. Um, just know that we're praying for you tonight. Uh, we, 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 we will do what we can in the coming days to help you rebuild um and and to everybody else you know thanks for sticking it out with us uh god you and i've been at this for over a year we're almost on two yeah yeah <laughs> oh my god yeah we're almost I'm, on I'm two on, years. i'm on i'm on i'm on i'm on three years but yeah it's 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 been an interesting journey I uh, we've come from us sitting across the table from each other with that setting that you've got behind you yeah. to, you know, now we're Those on opposite like, ends of the, yeah. yeah, we're on opposite ends of the state and I've got my own backdrop behind me, you yeah. know, so it, you we, know, and then we're incorporating new technologies. <laughs> yes. Especially like that. Oh, we still need to do, man, I've been being lazy with that. Uh, the, what was it on, uh, OBS. Oh yeah, yeah. I yeah, haven't, yeah. I haven't ever um, anything. I think the I, open broadcaster software. Yeah, we need to, we need to start doing that so we can get rid of the payment plan off of this thing, so we can save some money. And for the basic fact that, from what a lot of people are saying, is that's actually the better one to use. But I gotta figure. Yeah, out we we gotta sit down and we gotta figure that one out. But um, at any rate, um, because we can put because. With this, while we're doing it on air, like one of us, well, probably me, we can go in and put in, uh, like the photos and everything like that while we're filming. Oh yeah, and oh, like and joke time with Colin, maybe drop his FaceTime into the broadcast, maybe yeah, potentially. Yeah, so I know, we'll get all that figured out. We're going to evolve. We're going to continue to hopefully get better. Yeah, um, and uh, tomorrow, uh, Sunday's episode is going to be with the the def- uh, what the fucking hell. I totally. Um, I Sunday, I will be out of pocket. I'm going to be heading back to Wichita Falls to uh, drop my boys. No, off. I'm doing the episode tomorrow. I'm recording tomorrow. Uh, okay. Well, I will let you know what my day looks like tomorrow. It's five o'clock. Because they're it's going to be six o'clock their time. Five o'clock. Time, the disruptors. Right. That's what we're going with. Uh, a couple of cops from, uh, I think Ryle, Texas, uh, North Carolina. Riley, uh, North Carolina. Uh, Tan- yeah, yeah, yeah. They're friends with Tansy, and they run a podcast. And one of them just had a a baby girl, and mm-hmm. I was supposed to have. It was that it was that group of people I was supposed to interview last weekend. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, uh, we're coming up on the nine o'clock city. hour here, Central Time, everybody. Um, yeah. I have to cut you off, David. I'm so sorry, um, but 
I'm Johnny Skelton. I'm David Dickerman. Thank you all for watching and keeping up with this. And hopefully we can get some more uh, TikTok stuff. Think I think yeah. I think I think uh the next TikTok thing is gonna be the uh fanny pack. That's what I'm gonna take out. That's the clip I'm gonna take out. Yeah, you do that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. All right, man. I'll talk to you later. All right. All right. Love you.